understand that God's, he, he don't do anything by accident. Everything he does is on purpose. And uh, it's, it's pretty important that we, that we follow God's direction. So uh, I want to take you to a place. How many, how many of you are glad to be in church today? I am grateful to be in the house of the Lord. I believe that when God gives us opportunity to come together like this corporately, and I, I believe he has a word that could change our life. It, it may be one sentence. It may be one word. It may be one truth that the Holy Spirit wants to really, really ingrain in your heart so much that we're transformed. That's what Paul talked about in Romans 12 when he says, he said, uh, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, I want to take you first over to, I, I believe that we're living in a time when there's a lot of fragmented hearts. There's a lot of fragmented hearts. And what I mean by fragmented, I believe that, that the Lord made provision for us to have a whole heart. And in that whole heart, I believe that the heart and the eyes are so closely connected. Jesus said, if your eyes single, that means healthy. Your whole body is going to be full of light. But if your eye is fragmented or broken or if, you're, if you don't have the perspective of the will and the word of God, then you're going to be filled with darkness. One scripture says, if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. How great is that darkness? I believe that you can't, you can't measure darkness because darkness has no measurement. It, darkness is simply defined as the absence of light. So my prayer has been for years. I said, Lord, I want your hands to be my hands. I want your heart to be my heart. I want your eyes to be my eyes. I want your feet to be my feet. Lord, I want my mind. We have the mind of Christ. So I want you to turn with me to Psalm 100, verse 5. I'm going to read it both from the King James, but I, I really want to, uh, to, to take you to a place uh, in the passion that I believe this is going to be revolutionary. Many of you, I, I know, need to hear what the Lord's given us. Anytime He positions us in this, in this place, I don't take it lightly. I spend hours wanting to hear from the Holy Ghost, not to try to get a message, but try to get a revelation. Because it's revelation that'll change your life. The revelation and the light of Jesus' word. In Psalm 100, I remember when we were, when this church was being built and the, the floor was just concrete. We had people come in with Sharpies. You probably heard me talk about it. So I felt really impressed to right at the entrance of the door, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Psalm 100, verse 5 is significant. In the King James, it says, For the Lord is good. Do you believe that? His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Now, I want to read it from the Passion. Because sometimes the English is very weak in translating the Hebrew. It's very strong. 
For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you. He's so kind that it will astound you. He's famous for his faithfulness toward all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted for he keeps his promises to every generation. I need to read the first part of that one more time. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. That word good in the King James comes from kased, loving kindness. He's so loving that it will amaze you. So kind that it will astound you. It's important to understand that word in the Hebrew, kased, it really has a powerful truth for you and I. Now, I want you to go over to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're all familiar with verse 11, but I'm going to move down to verse 13 and read it first from the New King James Version, then we're going to the New Living. I want you to see something there. He said in the, King, the, the New King James Version, which is, takes all the these and thous and, and gives it the, the English that you and I speak to one another with. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now let's read it from another translation. I want you to see something that I believe is probably not the right translation. But it's from the message. I like the passion better. He said, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you're, you won't be disappointed. God's decree, I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries to which I drove you. God's decree, bring you home to the place where I, which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. Now, let me, let me tell you what I believe that as we look at Jeremiah in the New Living Translation, I believe that you're going to find something that is really significant. That word seek means to search out. Come from a, a Hebrew word that means to search out, to strive for. Now, we know that we can get caught in the trap of religion by trying harder. But I found over the years, I could never fix me. I could never, by trying harder, only frustrated me because I couldn't fix me. It was only when I came to the place to surrender to the goodness of God and the loving kindness of God, the love of God. Let me tell you about the goodness of God once again. Let me build your faith. Can I? You know where I'm going, right? Psalm 3410, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Psalm 84, 11, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly 
before him. Psalm 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. He forgives me of all my iniquities. He heals me of all my diseases. He delivers my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. I want to tell you, when you have a fragmented heart, you're going to focus more on lack than you are what you, and loss rather than what you have. Let me, let me tell you, when you have a fragmented heart, it's very easy to look at what you've lost and what's missing rather than look at what you have. You with me? Hang with me. Oh, this is so good because it really, it, it, it's come from an experience that I've walked in. I know what I'm talking about because I've walked through this. He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, I don't believe that's striving. I don't, I don't believe that's trying harder. I believe that's with a whole heart. W-H-O-L-E, whole heart. When you look with, at me, when you get the right perspective of me, come on somebody. When you get a right perspective of me, you're going you're gonna to come into a place where your heart is going to be healed and you're going to realize how much you're loved. Let me tell you, that's liberating to discover how much you're loved and not live with a fragmented heart so that you th see things uh, in a negative way so that you begin to focus on everything that you don't have. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Now I want to take you to a new, another place. Deuteronomy 26 verse 1 is where the children of Israel are about to come into the promised land. And Deuteronomy means second law. It means a repeat of the promises, the, the covenant of Abraham and the, the, the law, the requirements of the Old Testament. It shall be when you are come in. Now, how many know you can't come in until you come out? You can't, God never has an intention to bring you out of anything without a plan to bring you into something better. He said, when you come into the land that the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance and, and possess it, now, how many know they didn't do anything to earn that inheritance? They didn't do any, it wasn't their faith that delivered them from Egypt. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't answer, but I'm going to give you the answer, I believe. Why did God lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? The logical answer would be to lead them into the promised land. But that's not really why. He led them out. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, you got to let God's people go so they can go out and worship him. There's why. So they think it, know who God is. You see, if we get caught up in the things and all the stuff, then we're going to miss the person. 
We're going to miss the one who provides, who's the Jehovah Jireh, who gives us everything we need. Now, when you look at this verse, he said, when you look for me wholeheartedly. But he says, it's amazing how in close proximity we can come to abundance and not possess it. You can be in close proximity to everything God has given us and not take possession of it. We know that because the children of Israel, not everybody entered in. Everybody 20 years old and younger went in. Everybody older died. Why? Because they were complainers. They focused more on what they didn't have than on what they had. I'm going to help you. I don't want to be caught in that trap anymore. So I want you to go with me to another Another passage. It, it means if you seek for me, if you search it out, it's almost like that we have to do something. There has to be a hunger and thirst. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But when you look at one of the things that was interesting to me is Revelation 3.20. We're on, we're on the other side of the cross now. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open unto me, I will come in and we'll have supper together. And we'll commune together and we'll have fellowship together. It's important to understand in that scenario, Jesus is looking. Jesus even says, as he's on this people planet, he said, he said I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So, go with me now to John chapter 5. I need to read this from the Passion. From Galilee, Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish feasts. Now, there's a lot of speculation about what that Jewish feast was. Uh, some of the scholars believe it was the Feast of Pentecost. 50 days. It was 50 days after Jesus when the Holy Ghost came down in the upper room. Baptized them, and flames of fire sat on each of them, and they spake with tongues and glorified God. And we know that Jesus is returning to Jerusalem to observe one of the feast days inside the city near the sheep gate. Now, you understand something about the sheep gate. You can also go back to Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door. The sheep gate was... Uh, uh, used to bring in the sacrificial animals in Jerusalem. That's why it was called a sheep gate. They would bring their sacrifices through that gate. Now here's something that religion had supplied. The religion had set inside the city near the sheep gate, there's a pool called in Aramaic, the house of loving kindness. Now Bethesda or Bethsaida is the definition, but Inside the city, in near that 
gate, there's a pool called in Aramaic, the house of loving kindness. Remember, God is good. His loving kindness will amaze you. It'll astound you. It's surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people were lying under the covered porches. The paralyzed, the blind, the crippled, all of them waiting for the healing. For an angel of God periodically descended into the pool to stir up the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled would be instantly healed. Now think about this. Five porches. We, what's the number of, what's five the number of? Grace. The house of loving kindness. But also it can be an indication of something else because how many books of the law are there? Five. They've been stuck under the law. They're caught in the system. The Holy Spirit began to show me something here. Because they're caught in the system. They have to do something to get healed. Because the Bible said at a certain, I believe maybe for two weeks it happened quite frequently and people were being healed by the dozens. I don't know that, but, but something happened and all of a sudden uh, they would have to, uh, they would have, when the pool was troubled, they had something to do. Because they had to get to the pool first. That's the way religion is. That's the way the law is. That's the way a fractured, fragmented heart will see things. They had to do something. Five porches. Hundreds of sick people. And the first one in was healed. When the waters were stirred up. Now this is the system. And there's many who were stuck in the system, man's system. You understand that's religious. They made provision for the sick people. They laid under the, the colonnades, the porches, to, to be out of the weather, but to be close to the pool. And this is what religion and the system will get us into if we, if we continue with a fragmented heart. He said, among the sick people lying there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years. He was crippled for 38 years. He'd been stuck in that situation for 38 years. This is amazing to me. This tells me something. Notice what happens. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew the man had been crippled for a long time. Come on, he knows. He knows. I think it was through the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that lived and resided in Jesus, God in the flesh, that he knew this man had been in this condition for a long time. And Jesus asked a very strange question. He said, do you truly want to get well? What kind of question is that for a man that's been laying there for 38 years? Well, you've got to know uh, the, the, the power of the Greek because this is, this is uh, it's called, er, you don't have to get stuck in this, but aorist middle infinitive. 
that means it's not something that's going to happen in the future. Jesus was saying to him, are you convinced that you're already whole? Sounds strange, don't it? It's the Greek word, the phrase genistai. It, it, it's the actual, not a future tense of want to be healed. I love studying the word. But you got to study the Bible. you, you got to look at the, what the words and, and, and what God is saying, the Holy Spirit. But, but it's an aorist middle infinitive that indicates something already accomplished. Jesus was asking the crippled man if he was ready to now abandon how he saw himself and receive faith. For his healing. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For the just shall live by faith. Come on, you understand what faith is. Faith is, uh, is, a, is a condition of the heart. It's a condition uh, of the expectation that, that even though it may not look like it yet. This man had been this way for 38 years. Now let me tell you something about the people. If this man had vision, but he had no motion. The blind people were there. They had no vision, but they had movement. This man had a fragmented heart. I believe that he saw himself in that condition. And really, as Jesus asked him that question, he don't even... He begins to make excuses because when we have a fragmented heart, we're looking at the problem more than the promise. And let me tell you, that's when the excuses will come. And this man began to see himself. We saw that he had a, he had a vision of himself maybe in that state for 38 years. That's all he could see because he answers Jesus. He says, sir, when the water's trouble, I have no man. Who could take me down to the pool? He's depending on the system. But Jesus is there to get him out of the system. More than that, I believe to bring a whole heart to him. To bring a healing to his heart so that he began to see himself not as a, as a cripple waiting for the troubling of the waters, trying to do his own thing, trying to, to, to do his part to get healed. But Jesus showed up and asked him, said, do you want to be healed? Now, if any of you have the struggle with any infirmity or any situation, let me ask you a question. Isaiah 53, where he says, who hath believed the report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, the arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report. Because the arm of the Lord represents power and authority. Come on, you understand. You can be in close proximity to abundance and not possess it. But let me tell you, when you possess abundance, there's responsibility. If, there, if you live in lack... There's not a whole lot. But you got to want to possess. He said, when you come in and possess the land, 
it would appear to me that if he gave it to them, they'd just go in. But God gets real specific because possess is a war term. It's committing an act of war because there's somebody sitting on their stuff. Are you with me? This man had been there 38 years and there's somebody sitting on his healing. He's got a fragmented heart and he sees himself not like Jesus sees him. Jesus goes in to change his whole mindset. Because if God is good, come on. If his loving kindness will amaze you and astound you. When you get to that place, all of a sudden, here's what Jesus, he don't even respond to that man's uh, 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 excuse. He didn't even answer him. Jesus said, stand up. Roll up your sleeping mat. And immediately the man stood up. Because you know why Jesus changed his perspective? He was there to heal him. From what had held him back for 38 years. He was there to deliver him from from seeing himself. But Jesus healed him. He's healed. But you understand that now Jesus just gave him. He said stand up. 38 years. He'd been down. He'd been trapped in the system for 38 years. And Jesus said stand up. Now this is the Sabbath day. Let me tell you something about that mat. That was his rest. Roll up your rest. I'm about to preach now. He said, roll up your mat and take it with you. You understand, that's the Sabbath. Roll up your rest and take it with you. Come on, roll up that that you've been resting on and carry it with you. You don't have to be confined to one spot the rest of your life, but you can take your rest wherever you go because Jesus becomes our Sabbath. You understand that we can rest in him. He said, come unto me all you that are burdened and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you just roll it over on him and begin to see yourself the way he sees you in victory. In Isaiah 53, he says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah is looking at future tense. Peter in 1 Peter 2.24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body who became sin and, and Galatians 3.13 said he was, we were deemed from the curse because he took the curse, absorbed the curse so that we could absorb the healing. He became everything we were so that we could be everything he is. So we see that Jesus comes and this man takes up his mat and he begins to walk. And everybody's amazed. The religious people are there. And it's the Sabbath day. They were more concerned about him violating their system. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Than they were for his healing. Instead of saying, instead of saying to the man when they saw him carrying the mat, who is that wonderful person? 
that brought healing to you? They said, who told you to carry your mat on a Sabbath day? That's the way, that's how mean religion is. Come on, somebody. That's the rules and the regulations of the system. That's the rules. But I'm glad Jesus said, I've come to set you free. He said, if, you, if the Son sets you free, free, you're going to be free indeed. And the freedom comes through the revelation of how uh, loving He is, how good He is. Lord, it's gonna, uh, I'm amazed. I'm actually astounded at your kindness, your goodness to me. And I rode to church this morning. I said, thank you, Lord. I've been through the fire. I know what it's like to walk through the flames of the attack of the enemy and the brokenness of the world but I know what it's like to walk through it hand in hand with a Jesus who loves me so deeply that he's not going to leave me there he's going to bring me out whatever your pool looks like I want you to begin to see something different because I want you to see yourself with a whole heart if you seek for me whole Heartedly. If you look for him with a, with a fragmented heart, you're going to get stuck. But if you allow Jesus, oh, this man, he was not this, he was not born for that. Even though he was stuck there 38 years, he was not born to live the rest of his life by the pool. Under the law. Jesus came. Come on, here we go. You ready? He's under the, the covering of the law. Could never heal him. Could never fix him. Jesus. Whew, woman grabbed the shawl in Mark chapter 5. And immediately she felt virtue. And what she had didn't get on him. But what he had got on her. And she became healed. And she felt in herself she was made whole. And you understand at the at the, uh, at the tassels of the, of the prayer shawl that Jesus wore were the knots that represented the law. And, and when she grabbed the law, the law said she was supposed to be stoned to death. But grace had a voice that was greater than the law. Grace, grace came. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. And we beheld him as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace, loving kindness. Oh, he loves you, beloved. He loves you and let me tell you he don't want you to go and live another day with a fragmented heart I'm just I'm enjoying this journey I got a new little deity in my flock this hen of barred rock was sitting on like 15 eggs others would have made it but somehow they she didn't have enough cover for 15 eggs. One day I went out there and there's a little yellow fur ball popped up right beside her. And I, I, got, it, I got that nesting box, just 
three or four feet off the ground and, and that little critter's like, he's amazed at this world. He's just looking around and mama's there watching over him. Then I went out there one day and somehow, I guess he fell out or she knocked him out, whatever, there on the ground. And now she'll roost under the little walk platform and, and you can't see him because mama's got him covered. It's amazing when I go out with mealworms and open up the run, all the other, including mama, she'll just call to him, but he's confused. He tries to get, he, he don't, my door's right here and the run is in this direction and he gets stuck. He tries to go through the chicken wire and he's already too fat to go through the chicken. He can get his head through there and he's really frustrated because he, want he wants to get where the good stuff is, but he's stuck. I went out there one day with my little PVC pipe and I began to go in there and just scoot him over to the opening about that time, Mama come around the curve and said, I said, whoa, Mama. And he finally made it, but it's funny because sometimes we get stuck. And the rules and the system that were meant to bring us in get us in a place where we get stuck. It's fun to watch him because he'll stick his head through several times and he'll just stand over there and watch them gobble up those mealworms. I was reading what you're supposed to feed them and I like what the farm girl said. She said, let them eat what mama eats. There were people talking about don't give them layer pellets because it's got too much calcium and they'll keel over. She said, I, I fed them layer pellets crushed up and they, I ain't had the first one keel over in years. <laughs> Come on, it's amazing. So she's beginning to get it. Or he's beginning. I hope it's not another rooster. I've got three and three's not company, three's a crowd. And it'll find, it's getting a little more familiar with where the door is. Familiar where the gate is. Jesus came to the sheep gate where there was sheep. There were sheep that were hurting. Sheep that tried to get to the pool. He became, he brought him into a season so he wouldn't be stuck anymore. Brought him to the good stuff. Now here's the, let me, let me finish this part. The religious people came to that man and said, who told you to carry that mat? Who told you to carry that rest? That Sabbath rest? Who told you? Come on, let me tell you, religion will judge you. Who told you you could live with freedom and liberty? 
it's not a license to, to sin. I'm telling you, grace gives you the power to overcome. And he said, I don't know who he is. He just told me to get up and take up my, roll up my mat. And I just, when I stood up, I said, well, he's got the authority to tell me to get up. So I'm just, I believe he's got the authority telling me it's okay to carry my Sabbath with me. Jesus is, this man shows up at the, at the synagogue. Jesus runs to him again and he says, I love the passion because he runs into him. He said, look at you. You're healed. He told him, he said, he said, what's your name? Jesus. And he told the man, he said, go and be, don't sin anymore. So a worse thing won't come on you. Come on, we don't hear that in church anymore. Sin is a violation against God's best for us. We live for a counterfeit. That's what the devil is. He's a deceiver and a counterfeit. He tries to counterfeit everything God. He can't create. He's not God. And so Jesus, this man goes to the religious people and said, it was Jesus. So they plotted and began to persecute Jesus from that day forward. I found another story of Peter and John after the resurrection and the ascension. They've been empowered by the Holy Ghost. Would you know it? Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. The two most unlikely people, John the Beloved and Peter. Peter the fisherman, type A personality. They're on the way to the temple to pray and they see a man who's been lame for 40 years since he was, they would bring him to the gate to beg for money. So he saw them about to go in, he, he begged for money and Peter said something to him. Look on us. Can I tell you? Whatever you gaze at, you'll be drawn to. If you gaze at the lack, Guess what? You can get stuck. But if you begin to look at the provision and give Him praise and come into the relationship with God, let me tell you, there's a favor. I can't even understand it. I'm telling you, it's a try. Last night, they did blast. My, my daughter, my granddaughter, and all her friends that live downstairs, they, there's a dog down there named Tank. He's huge. He's all muscle. Big. Just loves to play. But when he's by himself, he barks. They all went to see Kobe perform last night. And for three hours, I sat upstairs. I like quiet. No. At one point, I called his name. I said, Tank, you just need to stop that. And he quit for about 10 seconds. But for three hours, I said, Lord Jesus, like you did the line, send an angel to shut his mouth. I believe he told me like he did Paul. My grace is sufficient. <laughs> so he kept barking. <laughs> 
But you know what? <clears throat> I didn't let that steal my joy. I didn't let that steal my joy. At one point, I just said, Tank, keep on barking, buddy. Because <laughs> he was anyway, right? So I want you to stand with me. You are precious. You are all so precious. I want to read Psalm 100 one more time. And then I want, to, I want to make this appeal to you. I believe there are people maybe here that have a fragmented heart. The Lord don't want you to live with a fragmented heart. Psalm 105, verse 5. Remember that verse. For Yahweh is always good. He could never be anything else. He's ready to receive you. I lived a long time, Brother Randy, thinking God was probably disappointed with me because I didn't feel like I could measure up. One day Jesus came to my pool. He said, get up, son. You've been covered by this stuff long enough I got you covered thank you father God thank you Jesus. he's always ready to receive you he's so loving that it will amaze you here's what'll give you a whole heart he's so kind it'll astound you he's famous for his faithfulness toward everyone everyone knows our God can be trusted for he keeps his promises to every generation. Now let me tell you. I want you to know how he feels about you. Yeah, I, I just pointed to you kind of okay. generically, but no. <laughs> but but I do, I do, yeah. yeah you know. I want him to know how he, he feels about you, each one. Do you think that God would allow us to be born into the world and become bored or so disappointed that he'd walk away and say, I just let them go on their way. I got something more exciting. No. No. He sees you and I believe you're a treasure. I believe that you're a treasure. He sees you and he's fascinated with you. There's so much liberty that came to my life when I realized, man, God, give me a whole heart. And I know my whole heart is all wrapped up in my perspective of you, how you feel about me. I know I have value because he sent his only son. I know you have value because he paid the ultimate price. So I believe this morning the Lord wants to heal your heart, give you a whole heart, 